0: say this and I, I, here's why we live in such a critical time guys in my adult lifetime I've never seen lower energy so it got quiet right there because it's not hard to get quiet because everybody's quiet I've never seen lower energy in the body of Christ than I ever have in my entire lifetime this uh, situation has deflated the energy and the power of the local church Because people just don't know how to navigate it. People just don't know how to deal with it. Because it's like a powder keg if you do this, or if you do that, or if you don't do this, or you don't do that. Now, here's what Jesus said about it, right? Whenever the Pharisees were coming at him, trying to convince him to say something wrong so they could stone him, arrest him, or whatever. And they said, tell us what the greatest commandment is. And they thought, well, you know, if he picks one of the Ten Commandments, we can get him because he's not going to put value on all the Ten Commandments. He's basically, well, here, let me tell you what the greatest is in chapter 12, Mark chapter 12. He says, here's the greatest. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul, and all your energy. So he said, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your energy. Energy is a force. Energy is a momentum. Energy is movement. Energy is putting pressure on or going toward. Energy is not... Idle. Energy's not lying down. Energy's not avoiding or fading away. So if we want to deal with the world we live in, and if we want to walk in hope, and we want to walk in unity and power and victory, what must we do? We must love the Lord thy God, not just with your heart and your mind and your soul, but with your energy. Everybody say energy. Yeah. You at home, say energy. And so we got to love with energy. And then he, he said, the second is like this, like it. Love your neighbor as who? Yourself. Isn't it interesting? He didn't say we get to pick our neighbor, choose our neighbor, if our neighbor is like us or not like us, if they resemble us, if they like what I like and hate what I hate, or if they're a Pentecostal, a Methodist, a Baptist, a Buddhist, uh, you know, an atheist. He just said, love your neighbor as your." self as is equal to or equal honor now remember before all this started God prepared Bethel but I feel we're facing a little momentum challenge right now in the body of Christ especially in Bethel I sense that because we're a unique church we're a a multi-ethnic church that's of hundreds of people not just you know 50 or 100 or a dozen, but hundreds of people. We're a multi-ethnic church. More more ethnicity ratio in our church than there is in our city or our state for that matter. So obviously we face challenges that other churches don't, but I look at it as dangerous opportunities because this is our opportunity to show the city and to show the world how to lead. Does anybody believe that out there today? Does anybody believe that? We hold conversations most churches run from and avoid, but we dive in. We dig in. And I'm your spiritual father. I'm your pastor. I'm not going to let... You you can stay home. You can turn your television off. You can turn your social media off. I'm still going to dig in what I feel God is leading me to dig into because we need to be healed as a body. We need to be healed as a church. We need to be healed as a city and a nation. Does anybody else believe that this morning? So When this all began, even before this began, God prepared us. I thought it was just the regular devil we deal with every time, every four years in the presidential election, whoever it is. It doesn't matter. It's like always a battle, right? Because our church is not just different ethnicity. Our church votes different. Our church, we have Republican, Democrats, passionate Republicans, passionate Democrats, kind of in the middle, could go either way, independents, some don't even vote. We have it all here. So normally during election, we have stuff that I have to address and deal with. So coming off vacation several months ago, what I do, God gave me the message to tell you what, that we are to what, even if we disagree politically, what are we supposed to do? Love unconditionally unconditionally and do what? Now, why is that important? That means that whether we disagree politically or over any means or anything, what are we to do? We are to love with no conditions. That means, like our mission statement says, we believe Bethel is a place where you belong, where you are loved and accepted just as you are. You see, the danger is when we put labels on things, and we put label on groups and companies and people. So, Any time in life, listen to me, any time in life out there, you're either going to be dealing with your in group or your out group. All of us do. What's my in-group? My in-group is people that like the things I like. They're similar to me, and I feel comfortable, quote, with my in-group. But my out-group is people I don't feel less comfortable with. They're not like me. I don't totally understand. That doesn't mean I don't enjoy being with them, but I just, you know, it's, it's, it's a little awkward compared to my comfortable in-group. You can also say it like this. the The school system was set up for what? Right-handed students when I was growing up. So if you're a left-hander, you're not just a little different, but I'm just teasing because I got a lot of friends that are left-handers around here, I'm looking at that. You didn't have a desk that fit you, right? Because it was it was in the favor and the opportunity of the students with the right. It was really not a, a prejudiced decision. It was just an economical decision for the school system to say, we have 98% of the students are right-handed, why are we going to put a bunch of left-handed desks out there that other students can't use. So it was more opportunity for students with right hands. You lefties had to learn to do different things and write different ways. And, and a little side note, I used to cheat off a, a good buddy of mine who's now a chaplain, I think, at a college. And, and he was a senior and I was a freshman and we had Spanish class together and I really didn't want to study. So Jimmy Stepp is his name. He's a great basketball player too. And so Jimmy was like brilliant. He's very like, well, I used to start copying Jimmy's notes and stuff and copying what he's doing. Well, he's lefty, right? So we're sitting, so he's writing like this. So before long, I'm writing with my right hand like he's writing with his left hand. I mean, it's just crazy, right? So, and I still write horribly. But anyway, it's funny how when we're around people we'll gravitate similar to them, but that doesn't mean we feel like that's our in group. So righties have your in group. Lefties have your in group. It's the same with race. It's the same with, uh, uh, if you're the president of a company or the secretary of a company, right? If you're the school teacher or the principal, a principal has a different in-group than the school teachers has, right? And the school teachers have a different in-group than the students have. And it just goes right on. So listen, there's times you're in your in-group and there's times you're in your out-group the key is what are you going to do with it how are you going to deal with it and that's what we're talking about when I love unconditionally wow you might want to turn me up it's raining now that's what I talk about when you love what do you do when you love unconditionally that means that I need to pray for unity I cannot join you and connect with you if I cannot hear you it's like this that's like this. Um, oh shoot, I had an illustration for you. If I cannot hear you, let me, let me see, what was it? I, I want to give you this, then I'm going to get into what I'm talking about. Because today I'm talking to you about the third option, everybody say the third option. So okay, here's, here's a good in-group, out-group, gun control, right? So gun control. So there's certain people in your families you feel to keep your family safe. You want to have a gun, and it is constitutional. It's your legal right to do so. So that's your perspective. Someone else wants to keep their family safe, but they believe the more guns are out there, the more dangerous it is for their family. And you could be passionate in this room. There's people that's passionate on both sides. Here's, Here's the power of this, guys. Here's the power of this. So your your in-group might be, I carry a weapon. Your out-group might be, I don't carry a gun or have one in my house, don't want anything to do with one. So here's the key, whether it's your in-group or your out-group, you both want the same thing. You both want your family safe, right? does anyone not want their so if I'm carrying a gun I want my safety or my family's safety or if I believe there should be no guns I'm believing for my safety or my family's safety it's not just to win an argument is that true most times it's not Anyway, it shouldn't be but who's right who's wrong oh that's debatable But if I'm going to hear you, if I'm going to listen to you, and I'm going to realize maybe that's not my in thing, maybe that's my out thing, I want to know why you believe that. I want to listen. I want you to understand and feel that I'm hearing you. But you know what? We can disagree and love one another unconditionally and stay in unity and do great things together. That's the beautiful living in a dem- beauty of living in a democracy. That's the beauty. It's got its good things, and its bad things. Right, voting and all that's good and it's bad. So here's what are you saying? What am I saying? Jesus said this in John 17 when he was praying his final prayer. And you hear me say it over and over and over. And I'll keep saying it. Do you get it? He said in John 17, I pray that you not. This is right before they arrested him. The last prayer before they arrested him. He said. Father, I'm not going to pray for you to take them, talking about his believers, out of the world, but I'm going to pray that you keep them in the world and make them what? One, as you and I are one. There's that little article again, as. One is what? Ho. It's the sum of a matter, one. It's not two, it's not three, it's one. And he said, I'm going to make you one, what? One, <clears throat> as equal to means equal to as it sums up it totals one as what this is a high standard guys as jesus and abba Daddy are one i i'm praying father you keep them in the world and make them like you and i as one and what is the power of being as one? That means we are unified. That means we are joined together. We are a wholesome, we are one, and we are greater together than we are apart. And what I want you to understand is don't run away from a race conversation. Don't run away from, from, from any conversation, police conversation or protest In love, be a big boy, be a big girl, and take it. If someone doesn't agree with you and it ticks you off, check your heart and listen anyway. If someone doesn't do it the way you like it, check your heart, love them anyway. Love them and pray for unity. And listen and try to understand both sides. Fontes hit the nail on the head. It is so important that we give space for conversation we give space because we are to be what as one as God is one and Jesus said when you do that in John 17 he said and father when that happens he didn't say it happened he said father when that happens so his faith is it's going to happen someday still hadn't happened in the church but his faith is it is and I'm sticking with his faith so he said when that happens then the world or the neighbors will know that you sent me The pressure is on the church not to be right. The pressure is on the church to be righteous. That's good. Four hand claps. I hope you all at Homer's give me a standing ovation because... be righteous. We do not have the privilege to be right, and we do not have the privilege to be wrong. We only have the privilege to be righteous, and being righteous, sometimes we're right sometimes we're wrong. So we always have to come back to the fact, guys, we always have to come back to this truth. And that is, even if I don't understand, I'm trying to understand, but I'm going to love you just the way you are. And I'm going to pray for our unity because in unity and connection and unconditional love, beautiful things happen. Rick reminded me of a story, if it's okay to share about your brother, he reminded me of a story. He told me years ago, and I, you know, I just hadn't thought about it, and we were talking a little bit about like this when I was getting ready to come in here, and he says, you know, Pastor, when I was 25, married, had a family, and uh, he said, I was preparing, I was teaching Sunday school I was at a Baptist church. I taught Sunday school, and it was my turn to teach that Sunday, and I'm studying, getting ready, and he's works, he's a professional, and he's working, and he said, I'm studying, you know, on my spare time about love, how to love unconditionally. That was the lesson for Sunday. Well, later that week, my brother, who was 32 years old, and a young, successful businessman, was murdered in his office. And he says, I'm angry. And what it was, there was a dispute with his business partner, and what was found out, the business partner came in after his brother had a prayer breakfast at 7 o'clock in his office, a prayer time with a group of believers. He came in after that, got in a big debate and argument with his brother, went around behind him and took his life in a certain manner. I won't get into it, and left the scene. Well, they knew it was him, they had evidence. And he would have been found guilty, but they found a technicality and got him off. So Rick said, Man, it hit me after all this went on. I could be in heaven with this guy that murdered my brother someday. My brother could be in heaven with this guy. So if I can't love him now, will I be in heaven? I mean, we, we think there's a lot of you got horror stories, you got crazy stories. We got stories about race. We got stories about Uh, uh, backgrounds and abuse and all these things but what we got to realize guys is we're the ones that choose to write our story we're the ones that have the power to give meaning to the events that happen in our life Rick could have been bitter angry and alcoholic uh, went out and took someone else's life or that guy's life but instead he through the hurt and the pain decided to love the man that murdered his big brother who he looked up to with no conditions to say to the point that I have to love him here just like I would in heaven. So, so what is it? That's what loving your neighbor as yourself, because what if it was reversed and his brother took his business partner's life? He would be wanting people to love his brother, even though he did that crime, because that's his brother. Now let Jesus mess you up just a second. He's saying that is your brother. That is your sister. You know, if it was your brother burning down a gas station, I wonder what your perspective would be. If it was your sister breaking through a window, I'm not saying you'd say it's right or it's. You know, I'm just saying when it's our in-group, aren't we more graceful? When it's our in-group, do we look for a reason or a motive we could kind of support a little bit, even if we believe it's totally wrong? I mean, if it, I had this, a big family, right? And we lived in the back of a restaurant and I had this, I have this older sister, my big sister, one of my big sisters, Sharon, Sharon. Man, I love her to death. My mom would say, you know, Sharon was one of those girls that was, she came home, and we lived a couple blocks from the school, and she'd come back, and she'd have to work with my older sisters in the restaurant, and she'd come home, and every time she would come, I was in there one time, and I saw the principal come in before my sister got there. I said, Ruby. Mr. Goebbels said, Ruby, I just want you to know, Sharon did this, this, she cussed out two teachers, she got in a fight, she, I mean, it's a little small to get, you know, just going on about Sharon, my mom, oh my God, what am I going to do, and I'll never forget when he walked out, my mom's first thing, I'm going to kill her when she gets in here, but secondly, you know, she, she said, my God, She either comes in laughing and skipping because she got something over on somebody or she comes in mad and upset, crying because somebody got something over on her. And we, Sharon and all, we laugh about that growing up because I certainly had my issues. But I thought that's interesting, isn't it? But even as upset as she was, she was trying to find a way to help her daughter, right? Because that's her in-group. So I want you to understand when you're having empathy and understanding. It's not that we agree what's crime and not. We do. We all understand that. But I'm just saying, love one another unconditionally to the point to realize you're going to have a different empathy for an action or a thing or a group if it's your in-group. Does that help anybody? Doesn't mean it's right because we don't have a right to be right. Dead men and women in Christ are dead. We don't have a right. We have righteousness right? Dead men and women don't have an opinion. Their life is finished. They're living a new life in Christ, the hope of glory. Ooh, quiet. I wonder if it says quiet at home. So, so as we're talking about this and we're to love as Christ loved, then he says, this is wild. He says, Love your neighbor. Well, what if you don't like your neighbor? What if your neighbor's different than you? What if they like different kind of music and out back at their barbecue, it's a lot different than yours. It's driving you crazy. Maybe they like loud music. Maybe they don't like your loud music. Maybe they don't like your kind of music. Maybe their kids don't like your kids or your kids don't like their kids. Could probably be because you two don't like one another. What if your neighbor is a person you're not like? and you don't understand, and you don't want to understand, let them, bless God, stay on that side of the fence, and we'll stay on our side of the fence. Does that work? No. You're not going to live in this world without having neighbors. And you and I have the power to give meaning to our story and determine that we're going to love our neighbors as ourselves. We're going to to give them a break like we'd want a break. My mama says, you need to put yourself in their shoes for a day and walk a few miles. That's what she said. What was she saying? Get over yourself and try to feel whatever that person's going through. And maybe you'll learn something. So I think there's power in this as we realize that Jesus' top command of all the commandments is love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mind, and energy. That means it's not just a decision or a principle. All of us have decisions or principles until the, 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 the rubber hits the road, as the old saying goes, right? Until the ball is hit into the field or, you know, you played sports and you had a philosophy of how you were going to play a game, a basketball game or a football game, but, boy, when the first hit went or the first shot went or the first mistake, you panic because you're trying to do something you didn't, it wasn't on the schedule or whatever, it wasn't on the plan. strategy. Sometimes in the middle of a game, you have to re-strategize to get the outcome you want. See, here, here's what I want. Here's what I want every, both sides that, that feel, you know, about racism and about police and authority or whatever. Anytime there's two sides, let me tell you something, nobody wins. And if there's somebody who thinks anybody's going to win out of all the turmoil going on in our nation right now, you're deceiving yourself. There's not going to—listen, God will not allow one side to win. He will not allow one side to win. If that was the case, Jesus would have called in his angels on the cross. He will only allow one people to win. One people. One neighbor. One neighborhood. So in other words, if we're looking for a way to win or to lose, we're not even playing. We're playing with football cleats on a basketball court. And you're not going to win. You're going to look messy, slippery, and like the worst one out there. You know what it takes? It takes us, what, becoming one with the right equipment, the right mindset, the right heart, to do what Jesus did. Yo, know, he could have said, "Love your neighbors yourself," except for the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But he didn't. Right? He could have judged conditionally. He's God; we're not. But he didn't. So, if he didn't judge, do you and I have a right to judge? You see, if I judge you coming into a conversation and I want to convince you of something, I've already judged I'm right, you're wrong, then I'm not honoring you. Why am I even having a conversation? I'm not saying don't have a conversation when someone's judged you. That's a conversation that needs to happen. I'm saying when you judge someone, why are you wasting your time having a conversation? Because if you are already right, you know it all then write out your consequences. Because here's the key. If I'm right and you're wrong before I come into a conversation and I'm not willing to listen, to grow, to learn, at least to feel empathy and understand or to change, then what is it? I'm not honoring you. Then I think what you think is less than what I think. I think you know less than me. You don't think like me. Oh, you're not in my in group. So, so, so I'm a senior founding pastor. My in-group is senior founding pastors. Mark Keene is a is been with me, he's the associate pastor. His in-group, if you looked at ministry, be associate pastors. Right? Uh, our staff teams here with children's ministry or membership ministry, their in-group is other people like them doing like things. Right? Business, we get this all the time. Well, I'm a business person. I'm just looking for a group that I fit into. Or, you know, I'm a laborer. I'm just looking for a group I fit into. Are those right or wrong? No. It's only right or wrong when you judge that that group is more special than another group. Hmm. So it's important for us to understand that we give honor where the Bible says, where it's due. Where it's due. Where is honor due? It's due to whatever neighbor is standing in front of me. Jesus did that with a tax collector that was running a mafia and stealing everybody's money, little Zacchaeus. Jesus did that with Matthew, the other tax collector. But he also did that with Luke, the physician. He did that with wild and crazy fishermen, Peter, and those guys, right? What did he do? He gave honor where honor was due, and any neighbor standing in front of him deserved the honor for him to listen, to know, to hear their heart, and to share truth. Because he knew if they did not feel like he recognized them and honored him, he could never teach, instruct, or transform them. So if you really want to see change, be the change. The change you've got to become, and I have to become, is that we listen more and judge less. It's scriptural, it's what the Bible says. So as we look at this, and we look at uh, what we're going through in our nation right now, guys, it's like a football team, right? I heard a professional, ex-professional football player who's an amazing pastor say this, he's, and he's, he's mixed race. He's black, white, Asian, he's a mixed race, but he's more black, 87%, he said. He had it checked black than others, but he's a mixed race, his family, grandmas, grandpas are a mixed race. And he said, you know, I was a white pastor, I mean, I I was a young black man, boy, living in a black neighborhood, ride my bike across to a white school, and I was a good athlete, so I played sports. He said, when I was in the white school, there was times I was called the bad word, right? He said, but as soon as I cross over, you'd think I'd be in my in-group and safe, but I wasn't. I got called Whitey. So he said, either way, I didn't fit in either way, he said, until I played football. And he said, you know what was cool about football? He said, no matter what side of the street you came from or your background came in, he said, you were all on the same team, equal to one another, going for the same outcome. And he said, the only color you were concerned with Was the color of the jersey of your opponent you were gonna crush. That was it. Man, isn't that something? So, in other words, we as the church, guys, should be the most integrated place in the world. We as the church should be the most understanding, loving place in the world. We as the church should be the safest place in the world. Yeah, but people just know the truth. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Just rewind and listen again. Because last time I looked, you ain't God. I mean, you may feel, have that edifice, you know, that you feel that, but you're not. He's God and God all alone. And either we get in line with him or not. And we begin to understand one another. We begin to listen. And what happens, what can happen if people from all different races and backgrounds and different likenesses came together as one? Oh, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Wouldn't that be nice? Isn't that the church? Isn't that what we're supposed to be? Fontes, I don't know if he had, if it was in that video, it's in the overall podcast. I said, well, because his wife's white, he's black. And I said, so, and they're expecting their first child, which will be biracial child, right? And I said, so Fontes, I said, how did you guys choose a church? He said, oh, that's an interesting one. I said, well, how did it? He said, well, you know, I was born and raised part of my life in St. Louis, East St. Louis. I've ministered there on mission trips. It's like one of the wor- the difficultest parts you would ever be in, me- I mean, it's tough. It's dangerous. It's tough. I don't care if you're black, white, whatever. It is a tough area, murder rate, all that. But he said, then as a foster child, I was brought to Kentucky out here where, uh, where is it? He was brought to, uh, trying to, Nah, it's Pulaski County or somewhere out in there. Huh? Well, that's where he's at now. But anyway, is is out in the and I'll think of the high school basketball team and football team I remember. I'll think of it in a minute. But anyway, it's in the video. Go watch the See. So anyway, so he's living, he's growing up here in kind of western area of Kentucky, out in the country. So he has this interesting perspective of inner city. Dad says, Don't go down on this certain area today. Well, why, Dad? Two people were shot. Stay over on these blocks, these areas today oh, okay. Two, no one hardly ever gets killed where he's at, and it's kind of, you know, Mayberry, whatever. So he has an interesting interesting perspective on different neighborhoods, different things, and being raised by someone other than your parents, too. And then she's from this family, and it's all kind of Mayberry. And so now they're married, and they're like, we got to find a church. So he says, we were in the area they live now, and said, well, we went looking for a church. All we could find is a black church or a white church or an Asian church or Hispanic. We couldn't find a church that looked more like us, so we tried a black church. Well, that wasn't it. We tried a white church. That wasn't it. We tried another black church. We tried another white church. We tried nothing wrong with black and white churches, right? Just an illustration. And then said, well, we decided to drive to Lexington and find a church. Black church, white church. We couldn't find a church where there's more than just a few of any other race in it churches of hundreds or thousands. He said, so finally we saw a Facebook ad and heard about Bethel came and we're like, this is who, what'd they say? He didn't say it this way, but here's what he was saying. This church is like us. It's like us. So, it doesn't mean it is exactly like them because there's families in here like Carl, Charlton and you guys and families in here like the Gonzales and family in here like the Averys. There's, there's all different ages and races and mixed of races, but there was enough similarities that they felt like it's their in group. So I'm not saying um, it's wrong, to have a black church or it's wrong to have a white church or it's, or it's wrong to have a multiracial, multi-ethnic church. What I'm saying is, listen, listen, if you don't, you know, if you shut me off, open your ears up and listen to this. We all want to find our in-group. So we find our in-group at work, the kind of career we do. We find our in-group at our hobbies. We find our in-groups where we, the areas we like to live. We find our in-groups when you pick a school or a college. And we find in-groups in churches. So I'm not here to judge a church that looks or not doesn't look like us. I'm just pointing out a fact to you that I do believe when we get to heaven, it's not going to be one church or the other. It's going to be all of us coming together, all races, all nations and stuff. But we love everyone now, and we understand now, and we feel empathy now, and we listen now. So it's important. So if I'm going to honor you, what I'm going to, now there's different kinds of racism. You know, it's kind of been labeled as three. And What is racism? It's when someone uh, judges you negatively because you're, only because of your ethnicity, just because you're a different color than they are that's it. I mean, and, and it's it could be as vicious or not vicious, but it, that's what it basically is. It said, just because you look different than me, I'm superior to you. Is what racism is. Now, here's an important question. And here's where I believe is the component Satan has used to divide the church for so long. And that is where we don't give one another space to be right or wrong. So what happens is, you, and this is from a lot of conversations I've had with black pastors, white pastors, friends of mine, and so on. What we need to understand, and here, again, I'm not, I am not—I can't speak as a black pastor or a black man, so I'm not even trying to do that. I'm just speaking as a white dude trying to learn, and I've led people of multiple races and cultures in ministry for 30 years, so I know a little bit about it, maybe more than people that just lead a black church or people that just lead a white church, probably. But anyway, it's just a fact. But it doesn't mean I know it all because I definitely don't. And what I want you to understand is there's a, uh, oh, what was on right before that? Oh, I know. So if we want to bring change, true change, we have to give people space to be right or wrong. So here's what I learned from my black pastor friends and stuff is this. You can make a prejudiced statement and not be prejudiced. You can even make a racist statement and not be a racist. Now, you obviously can be a racist and make racist and prejudiced statements. But what we need to understand, everybody that makes a racist statement is not a racist. Now, that's what I'm told. I mean, I can't judge and I'm white. I just know my heart. So, if as soon as you say a racist statement... And you've got convicted to be fired from your job, disbarred, whatever, humiliated the rest of your life. Even if you're a pro athlete, humiliated the rest of your life because of that. But we can let people out five years after they commit manslaughter. Or drunk driving, kill a woman and a child, and they can get out in five or six years and start their life over. But if you do something like that, your life's done publicly. So... If we want, listen now, i you like it or not, you don't have to come back, I guess, but, or tune me in next time, I guess. But here, I'm just telling you what I believe is the truth, and I could be wrong. I'm just listening, and now I'm sharing with you some things I'm hearing, is if we don't give people the space to make a stupid, prejudiced statement or a racist statement and listen to them and understand them And not judge them as a racist, but judge them maybe as somebody, well, you need to learn how to, is that, ask some questions to see if they really are or not, right? You know what I'm saying? Give it a little, they'll let you know. They'll let you know. And then maybe they'll trust you enough to share with you so you can help them get their language right. You see, so much, guys, is language And and every in-group has its language. Every every out-group you're around, you're trying to learn their body language, their little things, their little... We all are, right? Everybody But we have the language of life, and every one of us need to give each other, one another... The opportunity to understand. go were like, you know, when I first heard white privilege, I'll just be straight with you, it ticked me off. I'm like, white privilege? I was raised in a poor home with two pairs of pants and plastic tennis shoes with a mom with 10 kids that was on, didn't have welfare. She had to work. She's on a little bit of Social Security, working three jobs, lived in a trailer. I've lived in poor neighborhoods up there, all this type of I don't call that privilege. But that's not what was being thrown at me. That's what I stood as privilege. What it's really saying is, as a white man, you have more opportunities than a black man does. Now, I understand that, because if I'm right-handed, I have a, a more opportunity to be in my right-handed group than I do a left-handed group in school. So like I said, I can understand opportunities. I get that. You're right. I, I do have an opportunity to have more and have had more opportunities than the average black guy and the average white guy or whatever, or Hispanic guy. I, I have that now it still determines what I do with it. So you could call that somewhat more privileged than another privilege. But see what I'm saying is, when one thing is thrown out, it's meant to mean something more detailed and more intricate. So, so here's something I said to offend that could offend and has offended some of my black brothers and sisters. And I've done it for the pulpit and didn't know it. And I kind of upset at some of you real close friends of mine that didn't share with me this could be offensive. When I say and there's a race situation going on, I was like, man, I don't see color. I don't see color. Well, what am I saying? I'm not racist because I don't see color. I see everybody the same. But if you're a person of color, you're saying, well, so is it bad to be a person of color? Do you not value me and what I've been through as a person of color? Do you not value my lack of privilege? I'm going, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm trying to tell you I'm not a racist. Well, you're saying it the wrong way because some of my buddies think you are. So there's a little illustration. How simple it is, guys. And the world is on fire because of language the world is on fire because of prejudging the world is on the fire because we do not see each other as neighbors the world is on fire because we fail to admit I have my in groups and my out groups but I love all groups unconditionally So I'm working up. I'm going to redo the illustration I did last week. Before I do, I hit it. Here's what's understood to be, and I'm learning, three different kinds of racism. First, there's institutional racism or systems. And and so if you say, well, that's a the system's bad. Now, I agree, There's no system, system is perfect, including, like Fontaine said, church systems, right? None of us are perfect. No system is perfect. No school, no authority, government, police department, anything is perfect, but then others would look and say, Well, I get that, yeah, no system's perfect, but it's not systemic in the whole system. It gets back to the heart of the individuals. So then again, you can meet there and start talking it through. But I'm going to show you why we don't with this illustration. The second. Uh, type of racism is personally mediated racism. That's when you are talking with someone and at an opposition, right, with an individual over racism. And and you feel they're racist or they feel you're racist or whatever, right? That's that's an individual uh, racism. Then the third one is internalized racism. Internalized racism, what is that? That's when you've been told your whole life you're less than and you actually believe it and you feel it, and you live it. And you live according to the standard of your beliefs, and if you've been told you're less than and believe you're less than, you might carry out and act out less than. So we have these three different types or categories that men and women and humans have made. They're setting up for my little illustration here. So it's important for you and I to understand this. Now, right before I do this, well, I'll, I'll go on and do it, and then I'll, I'll read this. Um, well, let, let me read this. I read it to you last week. John, Mar- uh, Mark, Mark 11, verses 27, I think, through 31. And Jesus had been, you know, becoming famous and doing miracles and healing cities and healing people. The Pharisees and Sadducees are like, well, how are we going to deal with this guy? You know, he's getting bigger than our whole religion. He's getting bigger. He, people think he's God, and they're totally believing he's not God. So it says they arrived again in Jerusalem, Mark eleven twenty seven. 27. They arrived again in Jerusalem and while Jesus was walking in the temple courts on their turf. Boy, they didn't like that because he was not their in group. Anybody get that? <laughs> he was their opposite group. So, so it says, in their temple court, the chief priests and the teachers of law and the elders came to him. So they want to trick him, right? And they said, by what authority are you doing what? These things, they ask, And they said, who gave you this authority? So in other words, they want to trick him up into saying God gave him this authority and he is God. And they thought, if we can do that, then that's blaspheming. We can stone him. We can get rid of this problem we got, causing us uproar. But Jesus knew more than two sides. You see, they were like... You're on God's side if you believe this, and you're not on God's side if you believe anything else. To, to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law, there was only one side that was right, one side that was wrong. And that's what I want you, say third option. What I want you to realize, there's always a third option. And that's where we, the church, have to understand this, guys. We have to understand, and this is why you need to find a black person, a white person, uh, you know, people that are different races than you, and have one on one conversations and allow them to talk and you to talk and ask questions and say, Man, is that stupid? And now I'm starting to ask things like, Well, I said this, is that? They're like, Well, you know, so, so you learn. Because we want to be more alike. We don't have to be just alike because I want to honor every culture. I have a hillbilly culture. I'm not giving that up. I'm giving up the fried stuff for a little while, but there'll be a day. I'll get to go back to it. I'm just saying. I mean, I love my hillbilly culture. I was, I was on Facebook, and I don't like getting on it much. I was on there, and I saw this lady from back home. I already know her. may have known her family. And she had what we, we called a big pone of cornbread. What is that? That's when you got that cornbread all fried up in that big old black skillet and what do you do when you flip it over on a plate. Ooh, and the, all cru- oh God, give me a stick of butter, please. I'll just ah. especially right now, right? I'd really do it right now. I'd and some milk and all then I'll dip the rest of it in the milk, I'll eat it with a spoon after that's my dessert. But but that's the food I like. That that's my culture. That that those cornbread eating folk that that's my in that's my in group, <laughs> right. right? Soup beans and whew, first time we brought Stephanie home, I brought Stephanie to Eastern Kentucky. It's hilarious. So so my mom got this big spread: pinto beans, green onions, tomatoes. You know, fried potatoes, everything fried. Woo! And and Steph's like, and she had this big bow, huge bow of green leafed uh, spinach in there. Mustard greens, really. Big, raw mustard grains. She's like, what's all that there for? I said, you'll see in just a minute. Just kind of sit back from the table a little bit. (laughs) What? About that time my mom comes over with all the leftover grease from this big, thick, black skillet. I mean, it had to be, I don't know how much grease. Had to hold it up high, poured it in that big bowl. (laughs) Voila, man, fresh greens, baby, and lard and grease burnt you, not just new grease, burnt grease. I mean, she'd been building that up. She put some bacon grease in there to get it all going. Oh, my God. She said, what are you going to do? I said, we're going to eat it. So we're fighting getting our stuff in there to eat it because if you're experienced, you know, in about 15 minutes, it's going to be hard, white, and you can't eat it, Right? (laughs) I don't know if I want to eat that. We're like, that's, a, that's, that's the first, that's like sushi at the beginning of the meal. That's first. So, so when we were done, about 15 minutes later, she's looking at this bowl with a few pieces of green stuff sticking in it with a white ocean of hard grease with pigments of everything, pig and everything in it, right? You know, and it was so funny. Her face, I can still see her face to this day. I'm not even going to tell you about when she first saw mom make gravy. But anyway, so talking about bre- I'm talking about real gravy, breakfast gravy. I'm not talking about your Bob Evans, whatever. So Bob needs to learn to cook. Anyway, so that was my in people, right? So she'd never seen me eat greens like that before. She'd never seen it. You know, she's learning my end thing. And then I learned her German thing when I went up there and I didn't realize you had steak for Christmas dinner. I didn't get that and you cook it, and you take these noodles and do it kind of like we did the cornbread. Anyway, it's, and I end up now, it's my favorite Christmas meal. But when I first did, I'm like, well, I'm going to be doing it. So I'm going to prepare you. It's not going to be turkey and ham and dumplings and all that. It's going to be like this steak meat that's cooked and, you know, these noodles. I'm like, steak and noodles on Christmas? What, what are these Buckeyes thinking up here, you know? <laughs> and you mix it all together, this gravy. I'm like, well, gravy. It's gotta, I can put gravy on anything I need it, right? <laughs> long as it's a rock gravy. And sure enough, I fell in love with it, but that was her end thing. Now we both had two end things we love that we learned about. But we're still not exactly the same, but we're one. See, she and I are one. We're not exactly the same. We're very different, but we're one. That's the way the church, the church, black, white, Asian, mixed, whatever, Hispanic, still gotta, we gotta be one, guys. We are the light to the world, and if we cannot be one, there will not be one, and we will not see the second coming of us. That's it. So they said this, by what authority are you doing these things? And they asked, who gave you the authority to do this? And Jesus replied with a question. He doesn't give you a question to help himself. He gives you a question to help you, <laughs> right? He gives us questions to help us. He already knows the answer. So let me give you a question, then I'll answer it if you answer my question. He said, answer me and I will tell you what authority I'm doing these things. Verse 30, John's baptism. baptism. Was it from heaven or of human origin? Tell me. Same question they ask of him, but he knew John the Baptist was so famous and beloved by the people, and they're like, uh-oh. So here was their response. Uh, they discussed among themselves. They should have discussed with Jesus and learned something, but they didn't. They, they, with their people group, their in-group, they discussed. They discussed among themselves and said, if we say from heaven, he will ask then, why don't you believe him? But if we say of human origin... Then they feared the people for everyone held that John the Baptist was really a prophet. So they did what a lot of people do and hide out when it's to do with race and police and rioting. Here's what they did. So they answered Jesus, we don't know. We don't know. Listen, if the church doesn't know, who's supposed to know? If the church doesn't know... Who's supposed to know? So we don't know. And then Jesus said, uh, well, neither will I tell you by what authority I'm doing what I'm doing. Think about that. Now let me do my little illustration. I'll rush here. I'm running kind of like. Let me start right here. Uh, So Mr. Gerard, a couple weeks ago, was shot by a police officer. He's a black man. The white police officer shot him. So I got five chairs here, and I'm going to show you some different sides, and I want you to walk through this with me. When I ask you which side you're on, I'm just going to share it with you. So here's the police officer, the white police officer, that shot and took the life of Mr. Gerard. And this represents him and what he did according to what he felt he needed to do. This seat here represents the people that are for the police officer. They saw the same video I saw, and many of you saw, and other people saw, and the court system saw, and when they saw the video, the people that agree that the police officer was in his right, they saw that, and they saw, okay, he ran at him, so da-da-da, so you could have that perspective. This one right here represents those that don't agree that the police had the right, and that they were totally wrong, and they took it, the police officer took this man's life unjustly, unneeded, and it was murder. So that's their perspective. That's what they believe. So what do we have? A victim and a police officer, right? And we have two sides. Now here's what usually happens. If I've had good experience with the police, and I usually side with the police. I'm going to more than likely find any reason, if i got to research it, why the police officer was right. Right? Fair enough. That's the in-group for me. But if I've come from a life where I have been treated unjustly or know a family being treated unjustly, even if the video looks like the police officer may have been in his right or was his right, I'm going to research and look for anything and probably see things just like that person sees things totally different, the same thing to make it fit my in-group. So I guess I've offended everybody. That's both sides, right? So remember the Pharisees and Sadducees, by whose authority do you do these things? And what origin did it come from? In other words, are you on the law side and our side, or are you anti-law and anti-God? You can't, are you of the devil or are you of God? That's all they saw. Because if you're not doing it the way we do it, you've got to be of the devil, Well, if you can't see that was murder, you're a racist. Well, if you can't see that that wasn't murder, you're judging and that's wrong because you're way off base and and you go back and forth, social media, social media, social media, right? But here's the chair that the church is so naive. And I didn't see it here lately like this. Here's the chair that really affects eternity. Here's Satan sits in this chair. He's watching this. He don't care about that police officer. He don't care about Mr. Gerard. He'd like to have them both in hell for that fact and all their kids and grandkids and everybody that knew him. He don't care. His goal, and he don't care which side, his goal, just pick a side. That's all. Just pick a side race, what whatever, just pick a side. It's all, all Satan wants you to do, guys. Pick a side. Just pick one. That's what he wants. Because if he can get you to pick a side, and you get angry about it, and you get crazy about it, whether you're right or not, you don't have a right to be right. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't, I'm, I'm not saying don't deal with social justice. I'm not saying that. No, what I'm saying is till we get this right, we won't deal with anything healthy. We won't be able to bring the reform to the systems and the reform to the police departments and so on. And we won't be able to bring the reform to our our young men and women that are dying. We won't be able to do it until we get this part right. Your battle is not flesh and blood. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and power, wickedness and evil and rulers in high places. Take on what the shield of faith. Yeah. Shed your feet and prepare with the gospel. Put on the helmet of salvation. You know why it represents the helmet of salvation? It means think like a saved person. Think like a person's in the in group of God's group. Satan's like pick a side. Yeah, divide and conquer, right? Now, no. What did Jesus pray? I don't pray you take them out of the world, because if you take them out of the world, none of these other people will learn about me and why I came, and they won't be able to make it to heaven. So don't take them out of the world, but, Lord, uh, make them one as we are one. Could this be a thing that God is allowing to happen to make the church more unified than it's ever been since Acts 2? Hmm. So think about that, guys. That's two options, Right? Let's get rid of that. Let me give you the let me give you the option that matters, the third option. This is Jesus see. This is his option. His option is the third option, which is love your neighbor as yourself. I'd like to add it to it. I don't know if I can. Does that work like that, guys? I don't know. It looks good enough. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love them no matter which side they're on because of your neighbor. Love them if they're Baptist, Catholic, Buddhist, Atheist, black, white, police, non-police, government, non-government, love them as yourself. And if you can't love them as yourself, maybe there's some racism in there you need to deal with. Maybe there is some racism to say, well, I just don't believe in systemic racism. I got my opinion about that, and I'm not calling to anybody names, but you got to really think this through. There's racism in families. There's racism in multiracial families. There's, race, there's racism in schools. There is. But the key is, if we magnify just the racism without a solution, we'll never bring healing. So here's what both these sides have to decide. Do I want to get back? Or do I want to win and be on top? Or do I want to be one and get the right outcome? And that's what we have to decide. And you'll see your brothers and sisters posting something stupid on Facebook or liking something, and you're like, I didn't know they were racist. I didn't know they were that way. Or I didn't know that, that they believed that about the police. Or I didn't know they were for the police or against. How could they see that that wasn't a murder? You haven't even talked to them. You haven't, you haven't even talked to them. And you've already judged them. Judge yourself, lest you be judged that day, is what Jesus said. Paul said it. So the key is, guys, grace is the third chair. That means I'm going to freely give you the gift of being loved just as you are. I'm going to freely give you the opportunity to believe and think what you think, and I'm going to love you anyway. I mean, the third option wasn't just a principle. Jesus was God in the flesh and blood. You want to know what God loves and what God hates? Just find out what Jesus loved and hate. Read the read in your Bible. He lived it out, and his daddy lived it out. What? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, what? That he gave his only son. Not that the world would be judged, condemned, but it might be saved through him. God gave his best His son for both sides. And you're going to sit here and tell him you're freaking right. You don't have a choice. You don't have a right to be right. You have a right to be righteous. That's what you have. Now, I can be wrong. And ask Stephanie that oftentimes I am wrong about some quite a bit of things. I'm not perfect. But I think what my Bible says, I might be onto something here. But at least study it out and talk it through. And even if you're on what is ends up being the right decision about one or two incidents, what did you win? I told you so. I told you so. It's just going to cause more incidents. So what outcome do you want? Jesus is not just some principle. So not only did God as one with his son give his son up for you and I, whether we ever choose him or not. Then Jesus, right before they put the, pier, the, the, sword, the, the, the sword or the spear, I mean, in his side before he took his last breath, they gave him vinegar. You couldn't recognize his face. He was one bruised, his beard plucked, his back beaten. He, 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 he's nude, naked in front of his mother and his disciples in the community and being laughed at and beaten and gambled over his stuff. And he said, Father, forgive them. Well, they know not what they did. So, can you forgive one side that's not on your side? Can you fit? Can you forgive the out group that's not in your in-group? Isn't it funny how we talk differently when we're with our in-group? If we're with our in-group and we believe the police officer was right, blah, 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 blah. if we believe it was wrong, blah, 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 blah. we get in the middle, we're somewhere... Blah, blah, blah. It's kind of like, you know, everybody gets a little tiny kid all wound up to go over and pick a fight with a big bully because they didn't want to fight him. Let's see how good the bully fights. And so they get him all fired up and he goes over and gets his brains beat out and said, well, where were you all? Well, you the one that got in the fight. Well, you're the one that got him all confident that he could whoop the bully. The bully's the devil. And he has one side. It's called hell, death, murder. Satan, uh, Pastor Steph said it, John 10, 10. Satan, Jesus said, Satan comes what? But to steal, kill, and destroy. So every time you see murder, you see something stolen, whatever, or destroyed, it's the devil. you over here blaming people. It's the devil. Satan comes what? But to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I come to give life and to give life more abundantly. So in every situation, you and I do have a choice to make. We have a choice to make, and that choice is to be on God's side, to take the third option, which includes instead of excludes, which heals instead of divides. I really believe, guys, this is God's time. I really do, and I believe people like you that come out and people watch it online because, you know, the children's ministries and different things, and this is our time. This is our greatest It's a dangerous opportunity. You can agree to that, right? We don't know what's going to happen. There could be another incident today. We don't know. There could be something horrific worse than we could ever imagine tomorrow. But, but we have to make our mind up before we can make our mind up. We have to decide not my will, Father, but your will. Not my mind, but give me your mind. Not my heart. But give me your heart. Not my filial love, but your agape love. Give me your love. The one that has understanding is the one that carries wisdom. Till you understand both sides or multiple sides, you don't have wisdom. You just have a little bit of knowledge enough to be dangerous. But stand. Hallelujah. Was this good? Is this okay? So Fontes and I, you can go on Facebook and click on that podcast, share it with people. And, uh, we get into some of this in more detail Then I have another one coming next week for you. So we'll have them for the next several weeks, over how long we need to do it. You can also, it's there, then it links you to YouTube so you can watch it there. But, uh, share it, I believe it, I believe it, you know, I believe you to answer some questions for you. I want to pray for you. I, I want to, uh. I want to pray for the church, for the body of Christ, man. Man, I tell you, I just want to pray for all of us, all the churches, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, mixed, multi-ethnic, everything, hot, cold, warm, Luke, in between. The church needs to rise up, man. The church needs to become one. God did not put us on a political team. He put us on a kingdom team. If you get more fired up about your politics than you do people going to hell, you might be on the wrong side. Not saying no not vote, vote. I'm just saying, watch what you're more passionate about. Watch what you're more passionate about. Father, I just pray right now, the church, I pray for Bethel, I pray for all my pastors, brothers and sisters and the kingdom across the world across the world Lord, give us the courage to rise up to the challenge, give us the courage to rise up to this hour, this moment give us peace that passes our own understanding, give us unconditional love like we've never imagined we could carry hearts, in our mind, and our lives. Lord, we release our angels to protect our police officers and to protect those that are out protesting and in the streets, those that are innocent bystanders, and we just send our angels to protect everyone, our angels to protect our neighborhood, our families, our parents, our children, angels to protect the hospitals and the sick and the hungry and the homeless, businesses. Protect our nation, Lord. Protect our nation so we can be a light to the world. We're not what we should be, but we're not what we used to be. Help us to become what we need to be. And we give you all the glory in Jesus' mighty name.